Madam C.J. Walker said, I had to make my own living and my own opportunity, but I made it. Don't sit down and wait for the opportunities to come. Get up and make them. How true is that statement? Hi, my name is Alicia Cabrera and I'm obsessed with entrepreneurship. More so, I'm obsessed with the people behind the business, the entrepreneurs themselves. Welcome to E is for Entrepreneur, where we dig into the person or people behind the business. There's so much to be learned from someone's story, and today I'm excited to help share Taylor Walden's story about her journey as an entrepreneur. Taylor and Nick are the owners behind Simple and Sentimental, and today I get to have Taylor on. They are high school sweethearts turned newlyweds recently. They are dog parents, creatives, and know how to whip up a good recipe if you follow them on Instagram. The mission behind their business is to help people create unforgettable moments with their loved ones through convenient, innovative, and meaningful meaningful products that reflect the beauty and creativity of our creator. The Waldens have balanced the business since college and have still found a way to give back. I'm so excited to have Taylor here today with me on the E is for Entrepreneur podcast. It's great to have you. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here. I um oof, we just went through a lot of tech issues um, for those listening. So she is a trooper. Thank you so much for your patience today. Um, it means the world to me that you are still joining me um, to talk. Yeah, of course. I trust me. I have been there. <laughs> I feel like that kind of stuff always happens. Like you think you think you have everything ready, and then you bring it in front of a customer or a client, and it just it happens. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. I um so recently, uh, our listeners would know this, but recently I've really been loving. Um, kind of giving you the floor, the entrepreneur, the floor to give us kind of your elevator speech and story behind the business. I think it just means a whole lot more coming from you. So I kind of want to start there. Um, You have a really cool story um, on how this business started. So um, I'll let you take it away and kind of give us some context on how Simple and Sentimental even started. Yeah. um, So I guess our business didn't really start out as a business. Um, it started out um, because I had a huge hobby of calligraphy. Um, I graduated high school in 2016, um, and then at that fall, I went to EC. I started at ECU as a freshman, majoring in interior design. Um, I didn't. Ha- I had always had a job um, ever since I turned 16, um, and that was something that I did to make extra money in high school. I did it to save money for college, and then when I got to college, I didn't start a job immediately because I wanted to adjust to everything that was happening. And um, I still had that hobby of calligraphy that I started in coll- in high school that I carried on through college. And um, that fall, I would start making these little bookmarks for my friends in the dorm room because um, or on my dorm floor because I would practice calligraphy so much that I would have lots of leftovers and I didn't know what to do with them. So I put a little basket outside of my dorm room where I would put bookmarks and colored prints and just other random things that I had made um, because I had so much of it already that I just wanted to give it away. Um, and, and for me, it was also kind of like an evangelism thing. Um, <laughs> I started my relationship with Jesus in um, the fall of, 20, fall of 2016 at ECU um, when I got plugged into a campus ministry. Um, and I would make bookmarks that had like Bible verses and things like that. Um, so it was partially that, partially I had so much calligraphy that I needed to get rid of it. Um, but still having something to practice with. So I did that, and um, Christmas rolled around, 
So I was like, oh, maybe um, I could like make these for my family's um, Christmas gifts. So I started making Christmas gifts for my family. And my friends saw them and were like, wow, like this is so cool. Could I buy one um, to give to my family? And I said, sure. Um, I didn't really, again, was not intending for this to be a business. This was just something to make extra money. And it was something that I was pretty good at. So um, I did that. And then I was like, well, you know, like people are buying this that I know. Maybe I could list it online and on like an Etsy shop. And maybe people, other people would want to buy it too. So I tried to list like these prints on Etsy and um, they were the ones that I was selling locally. I thought they were going to be so good because all my friends wanted them. And then I put them on Etsy and none of them sold. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I didn't know what a saturated market was at the time, but prints on Etsy are a very saturated market. There are so many options. No one was going to buy from a shop that had no sales, no reviews, no nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I didn't know about I didn't know about pricing. I didn't know about shipping. I didn't know about anything. So, um, time went on a little bit, and Black Friday came. So this was all in November when I was prepping my Christmas gifts. Um, and then on Black Friday, um, I saw that there was a sale for a vinyl cutting machine at a local craft store. So, me and Nick got up at like two a.m. Um, the morning after Thanksgiving. We I like stayed at his house and we stayed up late and like waited for the store to open. Back when that used to be a thing. Um, <laughs> you know, now Black Friday's like a big plot. But um, anyway, so we um, went, we bought the machine, and I was like, I'm going to make stickers with my handwriting on them. And that is what is going to make people buy from my Etsy shop since no one wants to buy my prints. So um, I didn't have an iPad or anything. I just had pen and paper. So I would take my brush pens and I would letter on a piece of white paper, take a picture of it with my phone go into Photoshop, remove the white background with the brush tool, and um, cut them with my cutting machine. And I remember putting in my, like, I was in a service sorority at the time in college, and I remember putting in my service sorority group chat. I was so excited to, like, put these decals in there because they had, like, our sorority stuff on them. And I was like, anyone who wants to buy one, let me know. And the response was crazy. Like, they were all so interested. Um, And I sold a bunch of them to my sorority sisters, and they told their friends, and I listed them on Etsy. And before I knew it, I was known around ECU as Sticker Girl, um, (laughs) because I would go in front of the bookstore and meet people to give them their stickers. So, like, I would go on, like, Facebook groups that had students in them, um, and other students would refer their friends to me, and I would just talk to them on, like, Facebook Messenger and be like, okay, $5, like, I'll see you after my class in front of Dowdy. Um, cause that was our bookstore <laughs> and, um, that is how the business kind of started was just stickers. Um, by the end of my freshman year, I had 500 sales on Etsy, um, just selling stickers, um, Jeez. mostly sorority stickers. Cause at the time I didn't know that sorority names were trademarked. <laughs> so it's okay. kind of funny, the things that you just, you're so naive and you don't know, um, Anyway, so I did that for a while, sold stickers, um, and then that summer of 2017, I went, because that was my last summer that I spent in Winston-Salem, because I'm originally from Winston-Salem, I live in Greenville now, um, but I had an extra room in my parents' house, and I was like, okay, I'm going to sell more than just decals, I'm going to start selling gift boxes, and um, I had the idea, because I would go on Etsy, and bridesmaid proposal boxes were like just then becoming a thing, and I noticed that a lot of the people who sold tons of bridesmaid boxes like they had these listings and when you clicked on it not everything that they showed in the photo was included Mm. and I would see customers leaving reviews saying like thought this was included guess not like upset people 
And I was like, what if I made a bridesmaid box that just everything that was shameless included, it was ready for the bride to give to their bridesmaid. They didn't have to go buy anything from the store or even think about it. Um, so I created a bridesmaid box that did exactly that. Um, I learned how to foil cards so I could make my own cards without having to buy them from someone else. I bought wine glasses. I bought what I call champagne champagne flutes because I couldn't find real champagne flutes. So I just found these other glasses that looked kind of similar and called them champagne flutes. And um, I listed our bridesmaid box. And um, I think in the month of July, I had like $9,000 in sales, which was hmm. way up from what anything I'd had up until that point. Um, and by the end of the summer, we had 2,000 sales. Um, so I think in August is when I called ECU and I changed my major from interior design to business, <laughs> um, because I realized I was onto something and I, my bridesmaid boxes were doing so well. I was like, okay, maybe I should make something out of this. Um, and then that fall, Nick and I were walking around campus at ECU and we saw this sign, um, in, on the mall, which is like the big area in the middle of campus, um, like a giant field. And it said, um, enter the Pyre Entrepreneurship Challenge, win money for your business. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And Nick was like, you should enter it. Like, let's look into it and see what this is. So we um, went to the, like, the department of ECU that was hosting the competition. It's called the Miller School of Entrepreneurship. And we went to their office and we were like, so, like, it says this is a pitch competition. What is a pitch competition? Um, I didn't even really know what a business pitch was. Mm -hmm. and I remember one of the professors meeting with him and we're like good friends now. Um, but he taught me what a pitch was and he helped me prepare for the first round because it was a it's a pitch competition that's like multiple rounds. So in the first round, there's like a um, place they go out back out on the mall and they put all of these tables out and um, the each student stands in front of their own table with the stuff about their business and judges walk by and you have to pitch your business to them kind of like Shark Tank. But mm -hmm. anyway, so um, I did that and I had never pitched before. I had never really told anyone other than like people who wanted to buy my stickers what my business was. So um, these older, <laughs> mostly like older men, older women, professors walking by and be like, so what is this? And um, I later found out I, like, I was so excited. It was like 60 degrees outside. I was in a tank top and somehow I wasn't cold. <laughs> and I remember people would walk by and be like, are you cold? And I was like, nope. Like I was so excited. Like my adrenaline was rushing. And one of the professor, another professor from the Miller School, he, um, the news crew came and they were like, hey, like we want to get some coverage of the event you're doing. We're, which entrepreneur should we talk to? And he was like, I don't know who that girl is, but you should go talk to her. <laughs> and it was me. <laughs> um, and um, I just remember talking to um, some of the judges after, um, like, years later. They were like, I remember walking by your booth, and I was like, I don't know what this girl sells or what she's doing, but she's really excited about it. Um, so clearly I didn't know how to pitch my business at all at that time. I just knew how to tell them, I'm making bridesmaid boxes. I'm making money. If you give me some more money, I can hire employees, and I can really turn this into something. Um so time went on, um, it came around to February, which was the final round of that pitch competition, and I went from being the girl who was really excited but didn't know how to say anything about what I was doing to actually winning the entire thing. Um, and what the craziest part is, I think, is that that night I won $12,500 in cash, um, but the night before there was another pitch competition, and it was local too, um, and it was in downtown Greenville, and I was encouraged to enter so I could get practice for the big one the next night, because this one, I think the, the first prize was $6,000. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, like, I'll go get some practice, because I'd only pitched like one or two other times. So me and Nick went, and um, it was two rounds in one night. I pitched, I made it through the first round, 
um, and pitched like my last pitch of the night. And then we were waiting. It took forever for them to start announcing. And they finally are like, okay, like third place goes to not me. <laughs> Second place goes to another business that wasn't me. And I looked at Nick and I was like, okay, well, like, I guess we didn't win, but at least I got some practice. Mm-hmm. And, and then um, they called first place and it was simple and fundamental. So um, we ended up winning two pitch competitions within 24 hours of each other, um, winning about $18,000. Um, so we literally, within a day, um, had so much capital to work with because before the pitch competitions, we were running simple and fundamental out of my apartment. Um, wow. We were shipping packages out of there. Um, my roommate, I'm just so thankful I had patient roommates because, like, <laughs> um, I remember I would go to sleep at night, like, looking at my stuff. Like, I can't. Oh, it was it was not good. <laughs> um, I, my orders would literally never leave my mind. Um, Jeez. So I don't know how I did it. Um, but anyway, so we won this money. Um, we hired employees. We moved into our first office space. It was 500 square feet, and we were so proud of it. <laughs> um, we uh, it, what's funny is it was it's in an incubator or it was in an incubator when we moved in, um, and it was like our office was on one side of the street and then the like local jail was on the other side of the street but the rent was so cheap (laughs) so we were like okay like this is super cheap like and we were able to expand if we wanted to um so this was all in 2018 um so by that summer we had expanded to 1500 square feet um in that office i think we had seven employees total um all part-time except for me and nick we were we're all we were all students but um i mean we worked like full-time hours on top of our wow. of our studying um but by the end of 2018 um i mean we had, we did we did a quarter of a million dollars in sales in 2018 um which is that is four incredible times, five times as much as we did the year before i mean it's crazy to see what capital will do for a business um but anyway um, wow. So I'm that's just kind blown of our away. Story. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of ca- like time has passed since then for sure. Um, but we kind of went from selling decals in front of Dowdy to now we're known, um, really all around the world for selling, um, engagement gifts, bridal gifts, um, our pajamas. We are really well known for our pajamas, um, and Christmas gifts. Um, but we actually have had some recent stuff, um, of course with COVID and everything that has really changed our business. Mm-hmm. for the better I think um but yeah. yeah that's kind of a little <laughs> how we got here <laughs> it's all so incredible like honestly I um I I loved reading the story but I've I loved even more listening to it because it, it you're right it, it's crazy how much capital can shift and change and pivot your business um and honestly there's actually a couple of things that I want to pick out of that story too and kind of dive into a little bit more and the first one is um I was reading your about me and like to be clear to everyone I have actually never met Taylor I have (laughs) done giveaways for her stuff and gift cards just because I genuinely love and we are so thankful for it (laughs) oh you're welcome I mean I when I love something I support it and I especially support like small business and you I mean I think you've seen that you know that and and I personally have dipped my toe into buying some of my own things for my wedding from them but um and have loved them but you know, for me, when I started looking into what you guys were all about and you're about me, something that really stood out to me that like kind of 
like was passed by even in the story that I'm so intrigued about is the name change because (laughs) in your about me you said that that day of pitching it changed so yeah I want to know more about that like how did you go from TD H design (laughs) to simple and simple I'm so curious yeah um so Whenever I remember I started my business in my dorm room, not intending it to be a business, and um, I needed to call it something. Like I had to name my Etsy shop something, so I just took my initials and put the word design after it, and that wasn't taken, so I used it. So it was TDH Design, and um, I realized like as the business continued to grow and my Etsy shop grew, um, and 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 when we entered the pitch competition, but I had decided on the name change before I even knew about the pitch competition. Um, I decided that there needed to be a name change one because I knew I was eventually going to change my name mm-hmm. um, because I'm me and Nick had gotten engaged that August too so I was like TDH will be a thing of the past at some point um, and I realized that as it grew I wanted our name when people heard the name of what I was doing and what the business was I wanted them to kind of have an idea of the heart behind our business and the products that we sell so I made an Excel sheet and I just started putting adjectives I tried to think of the feelings that I wanted people to have when they thought about our brand and I came up with simple and sentimental, and it was one, I remember I, there were some other ideas that I wanted, um, but they had already been used, or they were already trademarked, but simple and sentimental wasn't, so um, I called one of my friends, Paige, who I knew was, a, she was one of my, like, college mentors, um, she was a couple years older than I was, and um, she had graduated, and she was a graphic designer, and I was like, hey, can you help me design this logo for my business, I want to take things more seriously, and I would, like, love to, like, use your services. <laughs> Um, and we had everything done just in time where the first day of the the Pirate Entrepreneurship Challenge is when we launched, like, the Simple and Sentimental branding. I had business cards. I had the new stuff on our Etsy shop, on our website, everything was ready to go. That's incredible how quickly you were able to flip that, but yeah, (laughs) I, I mean, I genuinely am impressed, and I just love knowing the story behind a name, so the fact that it just came about you, like, brainstorming, off of words in Excel is mind blowing to me. <laughs> <laughs> like of all things, it yeah. Was... <laughs> I mean, and and what and what's crazy about it is, um, I think this was about a year ago. Um, we had a couple come in, um, to our our old office, not the one we're in now. Um, but when we used to let people, we really used to let people watch their gift be made. Unfortunately, we have too high a volume now to do that. But this was a friend, so I was like, okay, I'll let you guys watch us make your ornaments, mm-hmm. and um. They came in, they didn't know what they were going to order, but they knew who the gift was for. They knew a kind of an idea, um, and we were able to help them come up with an idea for the ornament. They watched it get made. We set it up. We gift wrapped it, and they were about to leave, and they were, and um, Devon, that was the husband's name, he turned to me, and he said, that really was simple and sentimental. <laughs> um, so it's funny that it really does um, resonate with our customers and kind of explains, in a way, what our brand does. And Yeah. It represents you well. It represents you well. Now, when you were telling that story, another thing that kind of uh, intrigued me, and this is personally just from my past experience um, with entrepreneurship in college, because I actually know and helped um, run a lot of those pitch competitions back in the heyday, is um, a lot of it, you, you know, a lot of the time, excuse me, you needed business plans and ideas Mm -hmm. on how you were going to spend the money and things like that. 
you mentioned a professor and a mentor. Did you lean on them a lot to do that? Or like, did, was there no business plan? I mean, what did that process look like for you? Oh my gosh. Um, mentorship has been huge for me. Um, and I know, and I tried to tell my story like kind of quickly. I don't want to take up too much time with that part, but, um, mentorship, I mean, without that, like without, honestly, I think the mentorship that we had during that pitch competition was more valuable than the money in some ways, um, because I didn't have parents who were entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I didn't have friends. I really didn't know anyone who owned a business. So um, up until that point, I'd been Googling everything. And I finally met some real people that I could go to with my questions. And you could, I guarantee if you met and asked them now, they'd be like, oh, yeah, Taylor stopped by our office every day in between her classes. (laughs) Um, But they love me for it. and I learned so much. Um, they taught me about how to write a business plan. They provided templates for me. But I think the most important things were just like when I was hiring employees that were the same age that I was, I didn't know how to hire an employee. I didn't know how yes. to fire an employee when that time came. And um, just I, I love ECU and I love the middle school and that like I could just walk in that office anytime I wanted and they would they would talk, they would put whatever they were doing on pause and they would spend 10 minutes with me walking me through the problem that I was going through in real time um, to help me without me having to sit on Google after class trying to figure it out by myself. They were really there for me. Right. Um, and they were there to review my pitches for the competition, to listen to me pitch, to give me pointers. Um, it's been awesome. I mean, I the mentorship, and we're still all really good friends. They like all came to our wedding um, and just they're like, they're, they're friends, but they're also like mentors that have really shaped our business. That's an amazing community to kind of have around you and, and keep around you because they, they genuinely have seen it from the start, which I think is so rare mm-hmm. and really cool. Um, I, it's funny that you brought up, um, the, <laughs> the like issues of not knowing how to hire and fire, especially yeah. people of your, <laughs> of your, uh, the same age because in my mind I'm thinking wow you're so young you got all of this money that you now have to kind of make work in into the plan that you presented and you're hiring part-time that you had I mean and on top of that it's not like you're hiring someone to work out of your apartment like you were you're hiring people to work part-time in a building now that you own that um you're working out of so my next question really to dig into your story was how you built that up, right? Like how was onboarding a team and what did that process look like for you? Um, Cause I'm assuming at this time and correct me if I'm wrong, um, Nick wasn't on yet or was he still helping while in college? Yeah, um, so Nick graduated college in May of 2019. So up until that point, he was helping um, after his, like he had other jobs. So like mm-hmm. he, he was um, an engineering major so he always had like an internship that he was doing or he was working for the bike shop at ECU because he loves bikes. Um, but in between all his other jobs, he would work, help me on the side. And, um, in, and he actually pitched with me during the second round of the Pirate Challenge. Um, but he's not much of a, um, a speaker. He doesn't really enjoy being in the spotlight. He's more of a behind the scenes kind of guy. So we've kind of realized that role um, now that he works, we both work full time together now. Um, so Anyway, as far as hiring goes, um, in January of 2018, so actually before the final round is when we hired our very first employee um, to work out of a temporary office space in between my apartment and the 500 square foot one. We had a like eight by eight room that we used um, on campus. And 
the um, I found her because she was in my service sorority that I had just I think I had dropped the sorority the previous month because I didn't have time for it anymore, and um, she was great. I mean, like it was great because I had one. I had it was only one person to manage. Um, it wasn't that much. I already kind of knew her, and um, it made the additional hires easier. But then I quickly realized the more employees you have, and especially having employees that are either older than you are or the same age, and you're all in college together. The respect doesn't always come naturally, <laughs> um, and especially just not really know, not being someone who had like management experience or had really ever had to come up with like jobs and people to do. Like obviously, I needed help, but like, how do you manage people? How do you um, keep them motivated? And how mm-hmm. do you handle kind of reaction and things like that? So um, it was definitely something that it's taken me time to learn, and I'm definitely um, appreciative of. Just like I guess the patience that early employees had with me, not saying that I was a, a bad boss or something, but I know I made mistakes. Right. And, uh, like there were things I definitely could have done better, but at the same time, I was an 18 year old <laughs> managing people. Um, Which is scary. It is oh, scary. Yeah. And like, it, it, here's something that like no one talks about, and I don't know why, but I, I think it's just because not a lot of people maybe are in this position, but like. N- when you go to business school, you like the classes that you go through. And I mean, I had entrepreneurship classes, but, but no one actually tells you how to sit down and write like a standard operating procedure, like an SOP. No one, no one, right. Like no one teaches you how to write up a job description or Mm -hmm. to set yourself up as a hiring manager. Like it, it it just doesn't happen. <laughs> it just yeah, it doesn't. That's what the mentors are for. Right. <laughs> Telling you to do that stuff. Right. But I, I and I'll be honest, I like I still like use Indeed to find like the basis for my job descriptions because I took one HR class and we didn't really talk that much about about how to write a job description. So it's just one of those things where you just you kind of have to figure it out. Yes, you do. <laughs> and it's, you got to figure it out quickly too, which is, you know, yeah, it's so definitely. hard. Um, okay. Last thing I want to kind of pick out of your um, story before we hop into some more stuff is um, moving between buildings and then getting your, your place now for brick and mortar. What did that experience look like for you moving and expanding into bigger spaces but also finding the right location right so um you obviously are not in (laughs) where you grew up anymore and you're not right you know where where did that location choice come from and like how did you make the choice to be um or how'd you pick the place that you're in now yeah um so we were on the other side of town, we were actually technically in Greenville. Now we're technically in Winterville, which is like a suburb. Um, we're literally across the street from Greenville, though. Um, but anyway, so we um, had a business mentor. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with, like, Overton's. Um, it was, like, a sporting and fishing store. They, well, they sold – not really sporting and fishing. They did, like, water sports. Okay. Um, but it got sold a couple of, a couple of years ago. And um, Parker – um, is from Greenville, lives in Greenville still. Um, he's one of our business mentors, and he's the guy who like started Overton, sold it for like $64 million or something. I can't remember. But anyway, he's one of our business mentors, and his son owns a lot of real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we needed another office, we contacted them, and we're like, hey, like, can you help us out? We're looking for some space um, that's not an incubator because with a business incubator, usually the rent's cheaper, but 
some of the amenities that come with a normal week are not there. Right. <laughs> For example, there wasn't a bathroom in our suite at the old office. We had to use a like community bathroom that all the suites use, and it was a hike from our office. So we, I remember being so excited when we had a bathroom um, in our new office. I'd be excited to have a bathroom in my office too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we finally have a bathroom, but. Anyway, we um we chose the, the location that we're in now. Um, it's off of a like fairly busy street in Greenville. It's not downtown by any means. Um, it's a little bit out there, but we kind of liked it because we we're in the middle of a residential area. So me and Nick bought a house like six minutes away. A lot of our other employees live within like a ten minute radius, so it's great for employees. But it's also not too far off the beaten path. So when we have customers come. Walk, do walk-in orders or come pick an online order up. It's not too far away. It works out really well. Um, we're really happy with where we are, especially compared to before. Wow, you put a lot of thought though into that, even with like pickups and things like that. I think that's yeah. really important. Um, and I feel like that's like everyone should think like that when when you're getting brick and mortar. But sometimes it is like. People go down the easiest path of like, oh, but it's cheaper and I can do this instead. So, well, we've caught you and we've caught up, I think, to the point of like now in the last year. And it kind of makes me want to dig a little bit more into just you. Like, that's the whole point of this podcast to get to know you behind the business. And um, 2019 was a big year for you guys. Yeah, um, we did a lot in 2019. Um, So, I guess the first milestone for us in 2019, we hired our first full-time employee in February, um, and that was a breath of fresh air for me. Um, (laughs) She still works here now, um, but just going from having um, all part-time employees, people who, like, while, like, I love them dearly, like, it was a job. It was a college job um, at the end of the day. So it was really refreshing to hire someone who, like, this is their career. Like, this is it. Um, and Sarah um, was such a great first employee, um, and she's still with us today, but she um, came on as our operations manager, um, and she was just always so appreciative and so kind and really helped us um, build out a lot of pieces of our business that still exist today and kind of laying the foundation. Um, so we hired her, um, and then in May, um, Nick graduated from college. Oh, well, actually, before that happened, right after we hired Sarah, we moved into the current place we're in right now. We'll be in here for another couple of years before we expand again. And we have a ribbon cutting and all of that. Um, and then in May, we um, Nick graduated from college with his engineering degree. And then two weeks later, we got married. Which is um, major. Congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you. Um, we've been married for a little over a year now. Um, and then as soon as we got back from our honeymoon, we bought our first house. Um, we or we closed on it. We had already been working on it, but um, we bought a house right down right near the office. Um, and then Nick started his engineering job. And that summer, I worked at Simple and Sentimental. Um, by that point, we had um, I think four part-time employees, and we had two full-time employees. So as soon as I got back from my honeymoon, um, my graphic designer that I mentioned earlier that did our logo mm-hmm. actually came on full-time. So Paige works here now, um, and she was like really sweet because I remember. My freshman year, um, when I was starting the business, and then when it started to pick up even more, we would be like, "It's like, oh, it'd be so cool if I worked for you one day." And <laughs> um, so that's kind of cool. Early manif- manifesting without knowing. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so that was really cool. Um, and then, um, I guess by that fall, we um, actually made the decision to only have full time employees, um, just because we had found that. Um, 
really like it, it, it can be really challenging to have a, a part-time staff, um, especially being someone like that was the same age as a, as a lot of the part-time employees. I didn't always get the respect that we needed to see. But what's, what's funny is the people who were 10 years older than me respected me so much more, um, which and that, and that I, I remember like telling the first before I even hired a full-time employee, I remember talking to my business mentors being like, guys, like, I'm kind of scared to hire someone who's older than me. Like, what if they just, like, try to boss me around and um, don't want to listen to me? And I found the exact opposite. And um, what's funny is that their response was like, Kayla, you're going to need to get used to that because for at least the next, like, 10 or 15 years, everyone is going to be older than you. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but anyway, um, so, and we actually have part-time employees again now, a year later, but, you know, um, but at the time we had made that decision. So we hired another full-time person to help with operations in August. And then in September, um, things have started to pick up and um, we actually were able to bring on Nick full-time. So he quit his engineering job and came to work at Symbol and Sentimental full-time, um, which was really exciting. Um, and something that really, like, it was interesting because I was like, oh, my gosh, like, your parents are not going to be happy about this. <laughs> um, and my pa- I mean, my parents have always been, like, pretty supportive. Um, but mm-hmm. um, it was definitely something that, like, a lot of people were like, why the heck is Nick quitting his engineering job? Like, you're putting all of your eggs in one basket. Like, right. this is not a smart move. Um so we definitely had some people that were like, okay, y'all need to calm down. Like, why are you, you need to think about this. Like, being we're like young and dumb, but we, not to say we aren't. Um, <laughs> um, so we did that. And then I graduated from college in December. Um, but anyway, in December, that was um, when we really started to see a peak in our business and realized how important Christmas was. Um, Christmas is super important to our business. And it's now like kind of our, like that is the time to shine or so we thought something else happens later that we were like oh crap yep. <laughs> um so that was kind of how 2019 went um we more than i can't i can't remember the exact number of how much we did but we more than definitely more than doubled the previous year's income um and we were able to me and nick both took salaries um which is really oh, rare for yay. a startup we, we i really like and what's kind of the way i've noticed that side hustles work is when it's something starts as a side hustle you don't, if you're not making profit, like, it doesn't keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, like, thankfully, we, we've been able to, um, or I've always been able to take, like, a very small paycheck, um, obviously, but a lot of a lot of businesses, when you start, you don't always, you're not always able to do that. Right. So, not, not to say that this is an across-the-board case where if your business doesn't make profit from the start, it's doomed, because a lot of businesses won't make profit for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but um, that's been our 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 story with it. No, and it's amazing. I mean, really, yeah. it's commendable that you put in that much work that you guys were both able to, to take salaries because you're right, it doesn't yeah. happen for other people. Yeah, so, um, so 2019 was definitely a big year. We, we grew from having, in January, no full-time employees to December having five with a couple of seasonal people helping as well. Yeah, um, that's a major I mean, I don't know how you you format your full timers, but I mean that's scheduling and payroll for like for five people that are always around every year. Did it get easier to manage? Did it get harder to manage? Um, I, I feel like it got easier, especially when we um, like Paige um, was our first person that we hired. That um, we hired her as a graphic designer, and she has a degree in graphic design. She had lots of background in graphic design, um, so I found that like when you hire, like not 
not to say that Sarah was not qualified for her job. She absolutely was. But she had never been an operations manager before. So we were all kind of just figuring it out together. Mm-hmm. And then when Paige came on, it was like, okay, she knows how to do graphic design. So she was able to just kind of, like, go off. And then at, and then over time, we saw, like, how dedicated our full-time employees were to learning their job duties. And we were able to see, like, eventually kind of being not have – you just didn't have to micromanage them like you sometimes did with other employees. So right. um, that, was, that was really nice. Um but I think the most important part of making your managing life easier is building a good company culture and that's and a good place to work. And that's something that we've done from the beginning um, is we've always put a huge emphasis on um, I don't go walk around like I'm the boss and y'all need to know it. Um, I've always been someone who really values um, just relationship and connection and not being someone who is like high and mighty over my employees. It's more of we're a work family. Um, and we look out for each other, and we care about each other, um, and beyond what happens at work, um, mm-hmm. and that's always been important to us, and I mean, I think that's made a huge difference for our employees, too, and we're not afraid to laugh at ourselves, either. <laughs> you seem to be um, a big collaborator, like, that's yeah. the vibe mm-hmm. you're, you're giving off. Um, I know that you mentioned that um, Nick stays a little bit in the background, and so, mm-hmm. I'm curious um, about when he came on, how you guys worked through discovering kind of the dynamic between you two. Yeah, um, so we had we actually found ourselves like really missing working together whenever he went um, to work as an engineer for a while, um, especially like we were newlyweds. I was taking summer classes, and it just kind of sucked. I was like, I miss having you at work every day. And getting to talk to him about the decisions, like the little ones, we still talk about the big ones together, mm-hmm. but you know, like little things, because um, we'd worked together in college. Um, but it definitely was different, uh, especially when we both started working full time all day, every day together, which was in the, at the end of December. Um, but anyway, um, working for us, we love working together. That's not the story of every married couple. Um, but for us, we um, we really enjoy it. We complement each other really well. Um, Nick is much more, like I said, behind the scenes. He does not want to be on the podcast. He does not want to be in front of the camera. He does not want to be in any of those places where I enjoy it. I like talking to people and meeting new people. Um, and he is much more like focusing on like numbers and tracking things and making sure the operations are running as efficiently as possible. Um, and I am a huge efficiency nut too, but um, he's, I think it's just his engineering brain um, that kind of plays in there where I'm more, um, I'm really good at coming up with new products. Um, I'm more of the people person. So I kind of am the HR department um, where I'm also, I also do a lot of customer service or I I'm started to transition out of that role. We're actually hiring our first customer service manager. She starts at the end of July. Wow. But um, I like customer service as a business owner and I'm sure other business owners can relate like, you take everything very personally because your business is your baby and you don't want anyone to hate your baby. Mm-hmm. So um, it's definitely something that I carry. I carry and relate a lot. So I'm trying to, I'm learning that that's maybe not the best place for me to be, even though I'm pretty good at it. Um, it weighs on me. So I try to um, delegate those tasks that are, even though I'm good at it or I might be the fastest at it, like the mentality of, like, I better do it myself, otherwise it's not going to get done right, does not work right. <laughs> um, in the long run. So it's been important for me to delegate some tasks that I was doing before Nick came on full-time to him because he was better at them, even if I wasn't crazy about the exact way he did it because he didn't do it the way I did it. 
Um, I realized that things were still getting done. It was sufficient. He was doing a great job. I just needed to let go. <laughs> I think that's a great lesson. Yeah. Because I'm guilty of that too. And I think a lot of people are saying like, well, they didn't do it my way, but right. <laughs> but it got done. Um, yeah. I mean, do you have any, like, if you had to give one piece of advice about working with your spouse, what would it be? I think it's really important to separate work and home. And actually, let me rephrase that. I don't think you can separate work and home. But I think there are times where you should not discuss work <laughs> or try not to. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever people talk about work-life balance, I'm like, come on. Because um, it doesn't, especially if you're an entrepreneur, it's really tough um, because you love your business so much. Um, but I know at this stage in our business, we're kind of trying to set it up to where we can, like, really make the business work for us and work for our employees instead of turning the business around, mm-hmm. um, building something that allows us to live the lifestyle that we want, allows us to give back to our community the way we want to, create the work environment that we want. Um, but I'd say the biggest piece of advice as far as working with your spouse is to find time together where you can not be talking about work and to be more like on date night don't be on your phone don't be talking about what the sales numbers were from yesterday mm-hmm. or whatever um we find ourselves we slip into it because it's so natural because you work together all day and you're so used to talking about work um but i think it's important to remember um just the reasons that you got together in the first place they probably weren't about working together um and finding those times to just not talk about it yeah <laughs> No, it's the quality of time um, and what you, yeah, I love that because I was just talking to Lauren, another entrepreneur, and she said something so funny. She said, work-life balance is a a fallacy. And I was like, (laughs) I'm like, you're not wrong, but (laughs) it it, it takes, it it took me a while to come to that place, but I'm like, it's it's not real. Like people who (laughs) say that it exists, it's not real. But I think like if you're if you are a person who feels like I need to escape from work, like I feel that way sometimes, and usually it's like like and I'll maybe I can get into this a little, like a little bit later. But um, we recently had a stint where we worked forty days straight and didn't take a day off. After that, I wanted to escape. I did not want to, <laughs> I did not want to come back to work for a day or so. Um, mm-hmm. But um, like in general, I love my job. I'm not. I mean, I do get stressed out, but um, it's not something that, like, just being here or thinking about it stresses me out. Right. Um, it's not something that I'm constantly, like, I need an escape. I need to get away. Um, and I think maybe work-life balance kind of, it's just, maybe it's, maybe the thought of it is, it's good, but when you get down into it, if you're needing to, like, escape from your work, maybe it's not, and every situation is different. Maybe considering different paths. Right. Um, and finding something that you really enjoy. But again, not, like, everyone's in a different season and in a different place. So it's just kind of, you got to do, do with what you got to do. Do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I can't, I mean, I think that a, a lot of people in the corporate world like to say that there's work-life balance and, mm-hmm. and I think there's a semblance <laughs> of truth maybe in that space, Yeah, <laughs> but it is hard when you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not the same thing. It's not yeah. even close. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned forty days straight, and that's actually a great segue because before I dive a little bit more into just like personal stuff, I do definitely want to address how you have been given back and how you've done that and then how COVID just completely from outside looking in at least has changed your business. And 
that's 2020 for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, everybody's been saying that like 2020 is a mess. It's a dumpster fire, but it does seem like you guys have taken with all of the obstacles and things that have been happening. Um, you've taken those, those hills, um, and really just have, have been trudging up them as best as you can. So I do want to first start in the beginning of the year, um, when COVID kind of started and things were shutting down and there was this huge need for PPE. Mm -hmm. So I have been following you guys for quite some time. I um, obviously followed this very closely and um, I'll let you tell the story, but just some background for those listening. Um, I think you guys all can remember uh, the shortages of PPE being talked about and hospitals just in such need for them. Um, and so yeah, you guys stepped up. I would love to know what, like where that came from, what um, kind of compelled you to get involved and kind of how it all landed. Cause I don't, I think I missed how many you made and all. So yeah. You want to tell the story probably a bit better than I, than I just did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, so we have a laser engraver and um, in March, our sales, and like I'll play into this a little bit later too, but our sales were dragons. Like we were mainly selling wedding and engagement gifts. And when COVID happened, everyone's weddings got canceled, postponed, like this, that, and the other. Everything's happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, engagement stopped. People were scared of everything. So um, people were even scared to receive packages. Cause I, I remember seeing news reports saying like, be wary like of your packages being delivered and things like that. So I think people were... Um, were kind of scared for a while. Um, they were scared of the economy and what was going to happen with it. Brides were scared that their weddings weren't going to happen. So um, they were fully tied to their money, not wanting to do any wedding stuff. So we had some really, really low sales days and we were like, okay. Um, one thing that I'm really glad that we did in our business is that we, um, we've been very frugal. Um, I'm not someone who takes a huge salary. Um, and I think small business owners, like the number one reason small businesses fail is that they don't, um, because of cash flow, like if you run out of cash. Yes. So um, I've always been really diligent in making sure that we have certain amounts in our bank account. And then when we hit that amount, I up it. <laughs> like, no, we need to make our little safety pouch bigger. Mm -hmm. um, so thankfully we had that and we didn't have to be worried about closing or anything as a result of low sales. But it was more of a like, let's lay low. We're not going to order any new inventory. We're just going to hang out. And then we realized that our laser engraver, we could actually make face shields with it. And there was a huge need for face shields. So we were like, how cool would it be if we could make these face shields and then donate some, and then maybe we could find hospitals who would want to buy them from us. Like this could be something that we could do that could help our community and possibly bring in some revenue for us. Um, so we started out by, um, we crowdfunded. So we, we created a GoFundMe um, where we um, like helped Vidant, Vidant Hospital, our local hospital, um, help Vidant fight COVID-19. So we shared it on Facebook and within like an hour, we had like over a hundred shares on Facebook. People were so excited about these face shields. And um, by the end of the night, like I had set an $800 fundraising goal and we hit it. Like we had raised $800. We were going to donate a hundred face shields to Vidant, order the supplies. Um, and we were super excited. Um, but anyway, time went on. We ended up raising, I think, over $6,000 on Amazing. on GoFundMe as well as some other independent donations. And we, in, all in all, we donated over 2,000 face shields, um, which was pretty crazy um, being a gift company that never thought we'd be making medical equipment. But there we were. Um, we had countless like news news 
stations covered us, um, newspapers and all of that, um, which was really cool to see kind of the community coming together to um, spread the word about the money that we were raising and how we were giving back um, to the community. We ended up sending face shields not only to North Carolina, but to um, Spokane, Washington, um, Elmhurst Hospital in New York, which was one that was hit really bad um, with cases. Uh, we even sent some to New Jersey, Virginia, Florida, um, many other states too. But Amazing. It was a really cool, really cool experience that I never thought I'd be able to say that we did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's incredible how quickly you stepped to stepped up to the plate too, and how quickly people were, um, you know, willing to just donate and and get them sent out. I thought it was really clever and smart too that you had an incentive. Was it a hundred dollars, and you got to choose? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that was so smart, like a hundred dollars, um, you know, to the effort and you got to choose the, the hospital. Yeah. That's amazing. And so we really did it for shipping because we knew that like, okay, if they donate a hundred dollars, that gives us enough to cover the cost of their shipping. Right. Um, so it worked out really well, but that, that was, um, one way that we, um, we had, we had lots of people that requested Elmhurst hospital, which is um, how we found out that they were in such great need. Well, it's amazing. I think anytime you can make people feel like part of the solution and make them feel a part of the decision, um, it's a win, right? People automatically yeah, It was a feel, practical way. Right. Feel it, yeah. like in part. Um, the other side of this, though, is so you stepped up and you showed, out, uh, showed up for the community, which was amazing. I cannot believe you produced that many. I didn't know that. I don't know where I lost that in translation, but that's incredible. Um, but you also pivoted your business for those that couldn't celebrate engagements and birthdays and things like that. And you've been busy ever since. So I definitely want to get into a little bit of the decision of pivoting some of your boxes that you now make, your gift boxes. Yeah. Um, so We've never, I mean, we have sold lots of birthday gifts, um, but it had always been like wedding stuff was number one. And I had the idea of selling a quarantined birthday gift box. And I remember like searching it on Etsy and online and like I found next to nothing. So I was like, okay, maybe this is an area in the market that has a need. Um, So I made one listing and it said, happy quarantined birthday. Here's to your first and only birthday in quarantine. That's what the box was said. And then it came with a wine tumbler and a keychain. And I was like, okay, like if this sells, cool. If not, like whatever. Mm -hmm the shot so um listed that and then like two or three weeks later it finally sold like one of them sold and then another and another and, another. <laughs> and we realized that it was doing well so we're like, okay we should make some other variations of this and we made one that said like social distancing is the worst <laughs> like <laughs> um just like funny funny little boxes to make people laugh and then mother's day got closer and we were like huh like quarantine mother's day we listed that and I tell you, we had like we had never been busier, um, and it was really a challenge because we're in the middle of a pandemic. You can't just go and hire people, mm-hmm. like you know. Um, we were working like it got like it slowly picked up. Like we were, um, we had to call our employees who we had sent to work from home to come work in the office with social distancing and all of that. Um, and this was before masks were mandated, so we were just like, okay, we're going to social distance. We're going to wash our hands. We're going to sanitize everything. Um, so we brought all of our employees back, and then me and Nick started saying later and later and later and later. And then we were like, okay, we need to start hiring some people. And by the end of it, we had 25 people working in our office. Wow. All social distance and all of those things. We were being safe. Um, and we had, like, a cleaning crew come every night. Um, I've, ne- I've never had anybody else clean my office until then. 
had always been us doing it. Um, but we had 25 people and it still wasn't enough. Like it was, it was crazy. Um, and it was one of those times in our business, like I don't know if you've listened to like um, the How I Built This podcast. Um, and like Sarah was talking, like our operations manager was like, I feel like we're in like the How I Built This podcast, but we're in like the part that like sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Where they're like, it was crazy. And it was, I mean, we were, me and Nick worked like 16, 17 hour days every day, um, trying to keep up on top of having 25 people working 40 hours a week. We bought like, I remember we would make a, a weekly trip to Sam's club and we would buy everyone's sodas and, wow. um, we would buy slushies and we were just like, thank you guys so much. Like we, we, it seems like we're working so much, but like, if you guys weren't here, we'd be working even longer. Um, but there were days where we, um, like our highest sales day from Christmas was on like on Cyber Monday and there was a day where we did five times that amount and, um, and we did that several days in a row like every day every day would go by and it would be our new best sales day and it was challenging because one COVID was happening we couldn't just go and hire people two um, our suppliers were all operating at limited capacity so we couldn't get the things that we needed when we needed them um, like I remember we had one shipment of tumblers, like the essential item in the boxes that we were selling. Mm-hmm. We ordered like, um, we had like a $12,000 shipment of them that was coming from California to North Carolina where we are. And it got lost for two weeks <gasps> and it had like all of our mother's day inventory that was going to be used on it. It was gone for two weeks. Like the freight company was like, yeah, we don't know what happened. Um, we are going to try to find it though. Whoa. And we were just like, really? Like you don't know. And we didn't, they're like, like, yeah, we don't do reimbursements either. Just sorry. We're like, just like, what even is this? Um, so it was definitely some, some very stressful times. <laughs> um, because we, we, I, we had never ran out of every wine tumbler color or every mug color or every, we ran out of everything. Right. We would just, we would sell out of one color. We would message customers like, Hey, you want this color? And then colors that never, like hardly ever sold would sell or maybe colors that we thought were less popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were definitely some hard customer service moments there because we were running on a delay. We normally have a super quick turnaround time, like one business, it's at one business day again, but um, we had to keep increasing it because the demand was just so high and we couldn't keep up. Um, and thankfully, a lot of customers were really understanding um, and they understood that like, hey, there's a pandemic going on. <laughs> like that does that means that things are a little bit different. We're not able to get supplies as quickly. Right as we normally are. Um, so thankfully a lot of people, most people were super understanding. Um, but we did have to end up actually canceling some orders because we had it like Etsy doesn't really let you control your inventory. So we would go to sleep and wake up with, I don't even know how many orders. Like I remember there was a, a week, about a two week period where, um, at the beginning of the day we would start with like 400 orders and that was really high for us. We normally ne- never had more than 200 orders at a time because we would get them out so fast. Oh my but we would start we would start the day with four hundred orders. We'd go to sleep that night with six hundred, even though we'd worked all day. And we were like, How is this happening? We were getting more we we couldn't get out as many orders that were placed. And there was one point where we had about fourteen hundred open orders. Oh. And like I just like I I mean, what else do you what do you do? Like you're working seventeen hours a day, you've hired as many people as you can fit in your building with social distancing right. and it's still not enough. We deactivated listings, we limited things, like it just I mean, what do you do? I mean, what did um, you do to manage that stress? <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely curious now. Um, I mean, somehow I like, I don't think I, I cried one time during the whole thing. Um, and I just like, 
it was just the Holy Spirit, honestly. That's all. That's the only thing. And like I, and I found myself saying like the only thing you can do right now is pray. But like I think I have been guilty of this too. But we often underestimate the power of prayer. <laughs> um, and for me, that is like what got me through it. Um, was just like knowing that like one, I had prayed for this. I had prayed to be overwhelmed. And I had asked, like, when we were having those low sales days, I was like, Jesus, don't overwhelm us with sales. And that's a dangerous prayer, I learned. <laughs> um, so um, it happened. And, um, like, honestly, it was just one of those things where I was like, you know what? We're going to get through this. And if I let myself get down and get unmotivated, like, I couldn't go in, I couldn't go in front of my employees and be like, I don't know how I'm still functioning right now. Because then they were going to respond the same way. Right. And the, and one thing that we really tried to do, um, no one worked, we avoided anyone working overtime. I was like, someone needs to get sleep, and it's not going to be me and Nick, it's going to be you guys. Um, so we would sit, I remember like we would have to kick people out because they didn't feel bad and they wanted to stay and help. And we were like, no, you guys need to go home and sleep. Right. Um, we need you but, guys to be in top shape. <laughs> yeah. Like, but we, we, I don't know how we functioned. Like, we would just, we would literally go home, hit the bed, wake up at five o'clock the next morning and do it all again. Um, we worked from like five, like five or six a.m. to ten p.m. every day. Um, eight, breakfast, lunch, and dinner at work. And um, I'd say it's really, like, the only explanation I have for how we made it through was just um, one prayer. And two, just, like, we were so thankful the whole time. Like, I was like, wow, like, there are businesses who are closing right now. There are businesses who are not doing anything right now. And we have the privilege of serving these customers. And, like, I'm not going to sit here and complain about, like, yes, it was hard. And, like, I'm, that's why I shared all of that because I don't want people to think, like, oh, it was a walk in the park and it was so easy because right. we understand that it's not a walk in the park. It's a walk through Jurassic Park. <laughs> um but um and like but I don't I also don't want to sound like I'm not grateful because I absolutely am like I mean people were praying for that we prayed for it and we got it and I was gonna try to steward that the best I could um and now our business has changed like for the better um I think like we've we've hired a lot more employees and as a result of that we've realized how important it is to have operations manuals and to have processes that are written down and not just communicated through speech <laughs> um right. because when you have five employees, like, oh, yeah, it's easy just to remind this person, oh, that's how we do this. When you have 12 employees, it's harder mm -hmm. to do that. So um, we're working on operations manuals that are, like, literally, you hand someone this book, and they know how to run simple and sentimental um, because we realize how important that is and how important it is to have structure like that um, just to make sure when you have new employees that they can onboard easily. Yeah. Because we hired about 25 employees in the span of one or two weeks. Still insane. That volume yeah. still blows my mind. It, it was, I mean, <laughs> we, we're we still, like, kind of in shock. And our business has really picked up since then, too. But part of it is that we've taken on this new market of birthday gifts that we really didn't touch much before. Um, and qu quarantine gifts have slowed down, but we've kind of expanded our birthday gift market. Um, and we're doing more birthday gifts. We're doing more, um, like, work anniversary has surprisingly started selling really well. Mm -hmm. um, it's something I kind of, like, I don't know if that word's been used before, but your work anniversary. Mm -hmm. um, Paige had hers a couple weeks ago, and I was like, I should make a box for this. And we've sold a bunch of them since then. So um, it's just kind of funny how things change and how a situation that has been so tragic has um, really changed our business for the better. And, yes, it put us through the ringer from there for a little while, but it was um, – something that we asked for and we prayed for that we wanted that um and we learned a lot from it and it it's really set our business up for success um 
and being able to give back to our community even more um, just with like the sales volume that we were doing and how we were um, running a pretty profitable business and stuff. I think it's because we were working so much and we weren't getting any extra pay or anything. <laughs> um, so maybe that's part of it too. But um, we are actually going to be able to pledge um, a portion of our profits for the first time this year to um, our, we, we chose an organization last year because I was like, in 2020, I want to pledge a portion of my profits to Building Hope. And um, Building Hope is a local organization here in Greenville. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a huge, I have a huge heart for children and um, especially children that are um, in underserved areas. Um, and Building Hope was something that our church started um, 20 years ago, and they provide free after-school care for at-risk children in our area um, in West Greenville. Wow. And um, it's really cool. I've, I've always vol- I've volunteered there ever since I learned about it. Um, but we every quarter, our staff goes there, and we do an activity with them. We talk to them about, um, like, all kinds of things. Um, we made, we've made Christmas ornaments. We've um, taught them how to look up different jobs on ONET, if you know what ONET is. Um, you can like look up jobs and learn all about different careers and what you need to do to qualify for that career okay. and the schooling you need to have and stuff. Um, and we every every summer they normally come to our office and we do like an entrepreneur little boot camp in a day thing where they um, they come up with a business idea and pitch it to us at the end. Um, so obviously <laughs> that might not be happening this summer, but that's what we normally do. Um, and this year um, we're actually going to be able to pledge not only our time but a portion of our profits as a result of the craziness that happened with quarantine and Mother's Day. That's so amazing. It's cool to see how something that yes, it's been very tragic, and I my heart breaks for everything um, that has happened as a result of COVID and everything else that's going on right now. Um, but in the midst of all of that craziness, like good things are still happening. And um, that doesn't mean that we should stop trying to like serve our community and find ways to help um, however we can. I don't know how I get so lucky to have guest after guest after guest that just has like such big hearts and like amazing character but I am literally blown away because I feel like you said in 2020 I'm gonna give and like you I feel like you didn't even think twice and you're like oh great like one of the first things out of your mind was just talking about how this volume has brought you better like more profits and those profits are now being pledged like it it wasn't even a I'm going to completely invest back into my business we're getting ready to expand no it was a I am getting pledged find that to be um, absolutely fantastic like amazing <laughs> I mean I, it, yeah it's something that's it's like I mean especially when you've worked with an organization for so long and you've um, volunteered your time there and you have friends that serve on the board and like work and work there and you work with the kids and you see the need that there is and how like their lives yes. are being changed I mean there's um they're like my favorite program they do is called Project Bridges where they um take kids who have been given out of school suspension and they can actually go to building home instead of going home. Um, and wow. it's, it's really cool. Like just some really cool stuff happening, um, happening there. And the fact that simple and sentimental, a gift company for brides um, can have the opportunity to help them out and um, help them reach more kids is like, and that's, that's something huge for me. Um, I thought I felt that that placed on my heart um, a long time ago. It's just how important kids are to me and how I want to help them however I can. Um, amazing but and and not to say that it's and like yeah, of course we're using a portion of our profits to reinvest in the business and do those important things yes it's really easy to see all of these companies that are like really social entrepreneurship where they're donating lots of money back and that is awesome like 
but that is awesome. Like, I'm so happy to see companies doing that. Um, but I think it can sometimes create, like, kind of a false image in the minds of younger entrepreneurs or people who are earlier in the stages of your business because you're like, dang, why can't I donate my profits? Mm. Um, but And I, cause I was there. I was like, dang, like, I really wish I could give this much money to Golden Hope. Like, why can't I do that? Um, but if you don't reinvest money back in your business, you're never going to get there. Like, you can't just look at, like, huge companies like SanCloud. Like, that's one I think of when um, mm-hmm. it comes to, like, donating money back. Um, and, like, you look at, like, Amazon and Walmart, like, all these huge companies that are constantly, like, creating scholarships and giving back and doing this and this and this. And you're like, dang, why can't I do that? And, like, <laughs> like I, and I can't say I've not been there. So um, I've done that where I've been like, wow, I wish I was where this entrepreneur is, like, now I'm like over here, like I've built a seven figure business and now I'm like, why don't, why isn't it eight figures? Um, <laughs> I love that. Um, you know, and well, it's, it's comparison. Like you're on Instagram and you're like, wow, like this business has been on the Inc. 5000 list. And I look last night, I was Googling how you get on the Inc. 5000 or like how, like, to see if we were eligible yet. Um, <laughs> and we've not been around long enough, unfortunately. I think you have to be in business for five years. So um, hopefully we'll get there. But um Anyway, it's always, like, bigger, and you want to be bigger and better, and that's great um, for business owners, and I'm even talking to myself here. It's great to always want to be bigger and better, but it doesn't mean that you're, like, if you don't achieve that goal at the same time that someone else did or within the same time frame that you're worth any less or your business isn't as good as theirs is. Right. Um, so I've, I've had to, like, talk to myself a lot about how I um, – where my identity is found and how it's not found in the success of my business. And like, yes, I want my business to prosper and do well um, for the sake of myself, my family, my community, um, my customers. Um, but at the same time, I shouldn't be sitting here like, wow, I wish it was this. I should Comparing. be thankful for what I already have. Yeah. Um, and how can I use the resources I have right now to get there? So kind of diving into just like your, your opinion on the business a bit. Like, how do you, in this compare culture, right, that we're in, like, society constantly comparing each other and businesses comparing each other, how do you, like, stay creative and how do you go about um, your next idea, I guess, to continue growing your listings? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. Um, I... Personally, I like, but I've really learned how important it is to listen to your customers and how um, the customer is always right. It's not just a cliche um, because I have found myself um, and I'm, I'm reading the book called, um, have you heard of um, The E-Myth? No, but you I should, might ask you, you for check, that after. <laughs> check it out. Yeah. Um, I really just started reading. I'm about halfway through it. Um, but it talks about how within an entrepreneur, there's three people. There's a technician, there's a manager, and then there's the entrepreneur. Most entrepreneurs in America are about 80% technician or 70% technician, 20% manager, and 10% entrepreneur. The technician is the person who makes the product, and they're just all about the process. Like, if it's like a plumber. Like, the plumber is all about doing the plumbing work. They're not mm-hmm. about managing the business or coming up with new ideas. Right. Uh, and I have found myself being that technician who's, like, perfecting this product and, like, can sometimes have a mentality of if you build it, they will come, which is not the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you need to not build the product so people will come and look at it, but you need to find the customer and build something that works perfectly for them. Um, and it's all about what they want, what they like. How can I make this process easier instead of how can I make my own life easier or my employees' lives easier? Mm-hmm. It's not about that. 
It's about how do I make this ordering process more simple? How do I make this listing more clear? Oh, someone's been asking for this a lot, like more than two times. Like that's like our threshold is when some when we have a custom request come through like at least this many times, that's when we're like, okay, like this isn't just a one-off. We should like maybe look into making this into a product. Um, mm. But usually if we have a complaint about something, like the first time we hear the complaint, we're like, oh, we're complaining about this. But as far as like real good. Um, and I guess another thing I do um, whenever I'm coming up with new product ideas, I never, ever, ever search on Etsy or go on Amazon or sometimes I like, and I use Pinterest for inspiration, yes, um, but I don't ever search like workiversary gifts when I'm coming out with a workiversary gift. Got it. Um, like when I'm coming up with the actual idea for the product. When I'm listing it and looking for keywords, that's a different story um, because you need to you need to be familiar with what keywords are, people are looking up for that kind of thing. Um, but when it comes to product development, um, one of my pet peeves is like, I don't want my product to be like anything else in the market because if it's already there, it's already serving someone. I want to make mine better, different, um, serve a greater or serve a different purpose maybe than that one does, um, hit a different market in a different way or just be more unique, you know? Mm -hmm. But all of your product is your handwriting, right? So it started out that way. Okay. Um, yeah, I let's talk actually, about it. <laughs> yeah, I used to um, I used to hand letter every order. Um, as the company scales, um, and I remember my business mentors telling me, you're not always going to be able to handwrite everything, Taylor. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. I'll do it. I can always handwrite everything. Um, <laughs> and it actually, I, when the quarantine and Mother's Day, up until quarantine and Mother's Day, I was still handwriting everything, um, with the exception of a few listings that Paige had made that had fonts that looked like calligraphy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, you would never know. Um, so um, during quarantine and Mother's Day, I was spending so much time on the operation and filling orders that I didn't have the time to stop and handwrite every order. So we, we have a font that looks kind of similar to my handwriting, and we use that. And we didn't hear one customer say, hey, Taylor's handwriting wasn't on this because they didn't know any different. Um, so not to say that we were trying to be shady. Um, it no. looks very similar to my handwriting, but it was either I take this much time to handwrite all these orders or this many orders don't go out. Um, and as a result, I have felt much more free. Okay. <laughs> I don't have to dedicate a large portion of my day to handwriting anymore. I was about to ask how you felt about it. Yeah, um, I, I still do it as a hobby. I actually do like watercolor painting and handwriting as a hobby. Um, and I still do, I do hand letter some of our designs and a lot of the designs on our shop still have my handwriting on them. Um, so it, there definitely is that unique aspect there. But I've realized what customers really enjoy about our products, like the top thing is probably the convenience and how fast we ship. Correct. So um, <laughs> I think it's important to maybe not think about from the position of the technician who's like, wow, my handwriting is the reason they come. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, it's pretty and they like the way that it looks, but the real reason they're here is because they want to buy a gift for their loved one. They want to be able to celebrate that special moment and they want it to get here fast because they forgot to order something. <laughs> but you guys um, are good about it. Like you guys are yeah. fantastic at delivering. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously my wedding's postponed now, but even when I ordered, like one thing that I ordered from you guys was my cake topper, my custom cake topper. Yes, and yes, that thing, that. <laughs> that thing flew out of your door. I was like, Ooh, I was like being proactive, ordering it like a month before. You guys are extremely <laughs> good at it though. Like you guys are fantastic at efficiently getting your products out of the door for everything that I have ordered at least. It's amazing. Well, it's one of our competitive, I'll have to say it's one of our, we try to consider, we consider that a competitive advantage. Um, just because if you look at most other businesses that sell cake toppers, for example, their processing time is at least three business days. 
if I can have a cross-discipline of one business day, that's one, one really easy way to have a competitive advantage over another customer or another company. Yes. Um, so. Do you have a favorite product? Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, my favorite product, it changes because we constantly have new products being added to the shop. Um, but one that I actually submitted for an Etsy design award, um, cause they have like this new Etsy award thing. And I was like, okay, we might as well submit one. Mm-hmm. And it's our acrylic vows. Um, so I use these at my wedding and, um, instead, you know, like if you write your own vows, a lot of times people will like hold a piece of paper or they'll hold the preacher's iPad or something to read their vows to each other. Yeah. Um, and that is wonderful. Um, but I was like, you know, there's like, I wonder if there's something we could do. Um, so it's an acrylic sheet that we engrave the vows on, so it's permanent, but it's beautiful. Like, it's not an iPad. It's not a piece of printer paper with Times New Roman on it. It's um, a personalized sheet at the top that says, like, they would say, like, um, like Taylor's vows, Nick's vows, um, or the bride and the groom, however you, want it to look, however you want it to look, with your wedding date engraved and then your vows engraved. And ours are actually in our bedroom um, on a shelf, like, displayed. Um, it's really pretty. But it's cool because you, one, your wedding photos look amazing because you're holding just like something beautiful, not an iPad, but you had to trade off. Um, and you're getting to hold and keep them for the, really the rest of your lives. Um, like, and we have ours displayed in our room so we can kind of like, I like walk by and see what our vows were and you're reminded of like your wedding day. Um, and you actually tell them too, so that's kind of cool. That is that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, honestly. I love that. Yeah. I think I remember you posting um them at some point and I just you just reminded me of it yeah do you um like do you have a product that you wish like you did over or or better question have you redone and reformatted some of your products through the years definitely um uh, the most notorious one I think of is our bridesmaid proposal box because it's been around since the beginning and it's gone through a lot of changes. Um, it started out, but a lot of the elements are still the same. Um, I used to hand write on every box lid with a metallic marker, but I had customers who were like, hey, this is like great, but it's smudging during shipping. Like for some reason, the marker would never fully dry on the box lid. Mm-hmm. So I started doing a decal instead because that wouldn't smudge and I didn't have to hand write it every time. Um, because, you know, if you if I messed up the handwriting on the box lid, the whole thing was trashed. Like, mm-hmm. was, you know, I'm less, less than to mess up with a decal. Um, another thing that changed um, recently and a new project that I'm really excited about, I think this is the first time I'm talking about it publicly. Um, so we oh. recently started selling, or within the past year, we started selling pajamas, um, personalized pajamas. And they were something that sold super, super well. Um, but we had always, we had never truly bought them from like a wholesaler or anything. We, we had we had a couple of sites that we would order them from. And the pricing just was never great, but it was something that, like, we were like, okay, we'll experiment with this brand, and then if we sell, then we'll find a better brand that has better pricing. Mm -hmm. And we just never got around to finding better pricing until now. So um, what we ended up doing is we were actually working with um, a manufacturing, like a sewing company, a factory, Mm -hmm. um, and we are actually coming out with our own line of pajamas. softest fabric I've ever felt. <laughs> um, I actually have a pair of pajamas um, from like Target or so. it was I don't know where it was from, but it's made of like a very similar material and I, I've had them for like almost six years now and they're still amazing. 
Um, but we're going to be releasing a line of simple and sentimental pajamas really soon, hopefully. Oh my um, gosh, congratulations. Yeah, so that's like, thank you. Um, that's something I've been really excited about. Um, I don't know if you're like, it's called Modal fabric, which is really soft. Um, but anyway, we ha- we saw such good success with our pajamas that we felt like that was the next step um, was to create something that's really unique to us. So Good for you. Okay. I do have just a few more questions um, yeah. before we wrap up, but I mean, you guys kind of live, breathe your business. I mean, what do you guys do outside of, I mean, the business together? What do you guys enjoy doing um, to kind of step away and get away from um, kind of the day-to-day operations? Yeah, um, I think it's really important for entrepreneurs to take time away. Um, Like one thing we do, we take an hour-long lunch every day and we go home. We don't eat it. We don't stay at the office. Um, and honestly, during quarantine, we have not been doing much because we, well, we can't do much. We can't. <laughs> um, but during, um, like, when things are back to normal, like, I mean, I look forward to getting back to, like, seeing our friends and family again. Um, we have two dogs that we love taking on walks. Um, we do, we go on a walk almost every day or every couple of days. Um, and I, we also recently got into gardening. So we have, like, a garden in our backyard, um, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, but we also like to travel whenever we're, whenever work permits. Yeah. Um, the last time we went to, um, Biltmore in December and that was a lot of fun. Um, Beautiful. but, um, we like doing that and really just like spending time with our friends, um, hanging out around the house. We love doing projects. Um, we're really like big DIYers. So we'll do like weekend projects and things like that. But, and I mean, that's about it. We're, um, outside of the business, we try to find, um, things that are just, that are more like every day. We're not really like the kind to go on like a huge vacation and just once a year and that be our getaway, but it's more like little things that are more frequent. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. If I um, like was looking on your Instagram and kind of looking through stuff, like what's one thing that someone wouldn't get from, from social media in general about you? I mean, I try to be really transparent on social media. I guess one, I, I think it's funny you mentioned recipe time earlier, like cooking. Okay, like but like time. they're great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I really don't like. I've made recipes before that I'm that I was like, oh, I'm gonna put this on recipe time, and then I make it and I don't like it, so I don't put it. So they really are tried and true. <laughs> um, um, I would say, I guess, um, one thing people don't, I guess, realize about like maybe our entrepreneurial journey, um, just like how um maybe we, we it's sometimes easy it's easier to go on social media and not talk about the work that goes into a business and how challenging that can be sometimes one because you don't want to come off like you're complaining mm-hmm. and two oftentimes customers don't they're like not really there for that they're not he- there to hear me say like this is all the work that went into this and you also don't want to seem like cocky or like you're just super confident mm-hmm. that you're like this great business owner um or that you work really hard um but i mean i think like a lot of work does go into our business and it could possibly be, be really easy to look at our social media and our etsy shop and our press and be like oh wow like they make it look so easy um and that's not my intention on social media um i try to be as transparent as possible but at the same time i'm not someone who's going to go on there and be like i just clocked in a 14-hour day like you know like that's not that's not 
a place for that for me yeah. or for our customers, even though I hope to develop my own personal Instagram a little bit more and talk more about business, um, but curate that audience a little bit better because I know my simple and sentimental customers might not want to hear about it as much. Um, to curate <laughs> it on your own personal? Yeah, um, and talk about business stuff more there. Um, but it's it can be challenging when you have a business Instagram like you do where people do care about the personal things, but you also have to remember, like, I'm here to – inform them about my products and find that balance so yeah do you think people know how young you guys are I don't know um I'm I turned 22 in July um and Nick turns 25 so yeah um, I don't think people always get that especially from our website or our Etsy shop no um and I remember like it sometimes it doesn't always play in our favor <laughs> um, oh really so, yeah do you I think mean, there's actual to- impact there no, no. I mean, but like sometimes, like I guess maybe like if a customer service situation goes awry, sometimes like we'll be like, oh, you're just like we've had insults about age before. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's like no, that's not what happened. USPS really just delivered your package a day late. You're mad. Oh, um, <laughs> we, people, I mean, people Amazon do better. <laughs> people do better. Come on. Amazon has spoiled us. That's one thing I've learned from Amazon. That is. True. Everyone can relate to that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it, but also at the same time, like what better time to start a business than in college? Because you have no risk. Like you don't have ha- like, yes, I paid my own rent. I did all of those things. Um, but like at the same time, there's just like you don't really have much to lose if you're in college and you're just wanting to like try something out, see if it works. Like you don't have a full time job that you're having to. I mean, school. Um, but like. For me, I I think it was the best decision ever. Um, so I think that starting a starting a business at any age is awesome. But like, if you can do it when you're young and get started, and then, I mean, like we're like financially really okay right now. Um, we own a home. Like that's huge for um, people as young as we are, and it's because yes. of the business. Not to say that it was a walk in the park or anything. Um, but it's something that um, we worked really hard for, and I'm not going to go on social media and, like, brag about my own hard work or whatever. Um, but at the same time, I think starting a business at a young age, while you might get some funny interactions from people sometimes or people saying that you don't know what you're doing, like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I truly don't sometimes. But um, I think it's beneficial yeah. to do it. It's a fantastic journey, regardless of yeah. age. And um, I'm, I've never been – I, I've never understood it um, just because I've, I've been there in the age conversation where I'm like, well, look at what I'm doing. It doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> about my age. But I think that I think if anything, that always when I first found that out, that was really cool to just see how uh, early on this business started and how you guys grew with it. I think that's a fantastic story. And it's really cool. Um, Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, that. I mean it. Um, OK, so. Before we get to the last question today, because I have absolutely loved getting to know you and hearing about your journey with your business, um, I would like to give you a minute to let our listeners know where they can find you guys and where they can buy from you. Yeah, of course. Um, So we're really best known on our Etsy shop. Um, So if you go on Etsy, um, we're at simplesentimental.etsy.com. And we also have a website, simplesentimental.com. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Simple Sentimental. Okay. I will make sure to link all of that in the podcast description as I normally do. But, um, Karen, I really only have one other question for you. 
and it's what does being an entrepreneur or what does entrepreneurship mean to you? Um, I mean, for me, I think it's um, it's an opportunity to create something that didn't exist before, and that sounds really simple, um, but you're creating something that has like such great potential because nothing like it's ever came before. So you really have so much freedom in how you set up your company and how you can really create something that not only serves you, but serves your community, serves your employees if you have them, serves your customers, create um, fulfills a need. Um, and I think that's huge um, for businesses to make sure you're like, if you're starting a business, um, what's the need that you're filling? Like what, where's the need in the market that um, isn't being met right now that you can meet? Um, but even deeper than that, um, finding a career that you really enjoy, creating a work environment that your employees can truly enjoy. Like I've had such great feedback from our employees saying like, I've never had a job like this before where I really enjoy going to work and I feel like I'm able to contribute and be heard when I have suggestions instead of it just get, getting put in the corporate suggestion box. Um, so it's been cool to like let people, especially at a start at like a, a younger business level, where um, so many things are like, let's make a decision on how this is going to be. What do you guys think? And we're going to see people kind of like put their own input in and put their own ideas in and how the company's um, operating. So I think that's really cool um, to be able to create something that not only serves me because, yes, you start your business like in theory by yourself or with a small group of people, mm -hmm. uh, but to see the impact that it has uh, that is made on not only me but my community, like if you had told an 18 year old me in my dorm room that this is what would come from um, selling <laughs> stickers in front of Dowdy, like I would have never believed you. Um, and just to see how like how God has used it for good, like I never thought I'd make face shields. I never thought I could pledge a portion of my profits to an organization that I love. Um, but I've been able to do that, something I would have never been able to do had I not started a business. Yeah. So it's incredible. For those listening, do you have any last-minute um, advice or tips you'd like to share? Um, I guess, like, as far as, like, um, I think, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think mentorship, if you're a business owner, is super important. And finding people that are not afraid to tell you things you don't want to hear, that doesn't mean you have to take their advice. But I think it's really important to think about um, who are – your mentors that you're taking your business ideas to and getting feedback on because if it's just you alone in your little laboratory trying to come up with it all by yourself um it can be really it can be one scary but two um it can be really beneficial to have um other people feeding into your business and actually having to report to them what you're doing because if you're an entrepreneur there's not a, a boss above you who's waiting on results mm -hmm. but if you have a mentor or even a board of advisors like that's what we're in the middle of developing is like an official board of advisors um, they don't have stake in your business. They're not investors. But, like, at the same time, you respect them, and you don't want to come to them and be like, yeah, in quarter four, we said we were going to do this, but I kind of forgot. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important to have mentors, and that's been huge for me. So I think that's really important. I think mentorship, mentorship I've, I've mentioned before, is really underrated. I think that's a great way to um, end today's podcast. I feel like I could talk to you about business for a few more hours honestly you have been um awesome and i truly appreciate your time that you've given today especially after 
some serious technology hiccups <laughs> that we started Please stop with. saying sorry. It's fine. <laughs> I've been there. Like, trust me. You've heard, you've heard, I've spilled my guts now, so you know. Yeah. Like, I've been there. Yeah. Um, but I, I appreciate you inviting me on. I was so excited um, to get to talk to you and get to know you a little bit better because I know we've, like, we've spoken briefly, like, um, through, like, the Instagram and all of that stuff so and I also just I want to say thank you um just for your support of of our business because it's so easy to say like oh I support small business and then um like not that likes and comments and shares don't matter but um just like I want to just say thank you for ordering with us and really supporting us in that way too um we really appreciate it well thank you I I'm just grateful I honestly am so grateful um to support a business that has such a great mission and um you know, with the mission also make some really great products. And that's just a win-win in my books. And more so, I'm so grateful for your time today, especially as we just kind of heard um, how much volume and, and how much work you guys have been putting in. Um, I think time is the uh, best gift, honestly. And it's something that I've come to cherish a lot from my guests. So um, yeah, like I said, it's been an honor and, and I'm so grateful to have you on today. And um, we'll continue to stay connected, but thank you so much for today. Um, and I'll make sure to, um, like, again, link all of your stuff in the product, uh, in the podcast description today, um, so that our listeners can find you and they can discover some of your amazing products like I have. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to have been on here and to get to chat with you for a little bit. Thank you so much. Of course. Well, enjoy your night at home with Nick and uh, Duncan <laughs> and Paisley, and, and I'll talk to you uh, another time. Have a good one, All right. Taylor. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, as always, I will make sure to link all of the information that Taylor provided on where to find Simple and Sentimental and to find her and to shop with them. Um, I am so grateful again for another great episode and for another entrepreneur sharing their knowledge, their lessons, their stories. It genuinely just makes me so grateful for the platform that I am building. Um, Y'all, if you want to take a minute and go and follow E is for Entrepreneur on Instagram, Um, we are doing something a little bit different this week. So go and check it out. Go follow us and rate and review our podcast. As always, I thank you for listening in this week and I'll see you next time. Bye.